0: The following podcast is an Embassy Row production.
1: Welcome back to another episode of The Shaken and Stirred Show, although it might be called The Shaken and Stinky Show this week because my co-host, Tom Astor in the UK, didn't know, didn't realise, forgot, and perhaps I forgot to tell him, that the clocks went back in the US and as a result, or went forward even, I think they went sprung forward or something like that, didn't they, Tom? Because he was in the bath when I, he was meant to be on this podcast. So he had to get out with his cocktail and is looking a little peaky. He's looking a little green. Tom, hi.
0: No comment. No I asked comment. You, I knew that this, was, I knew your ch- clocks were changing. I asked you, I think it's a stitcher. Anyway, here I am. Luckily, I always have a cocktail before the show. so i have not finished it here we are yeah so when he
1: says luckily what he means is it's just that's just as nature will have it and the reason why we even do this podcast in the first place is because tom is rarely found without cocktail in hand so even at bath time when most people are just playing with a rubber ducky tom has a cocktail in his hand
0: and a rubber duck anyway just for you luckily this week I've, lived, I've made my own cocktail, and it's called "Kiss My Ass" or "Ass," as you say in America. I'm naming it in honour of you. Watermelon, pineapple, apple, lime, white rum, and coconut water. Art yours. I love what it. Are you and, having? and
1: meanwhile, the, the clock is dinging. It's, it's all action in the Astor household with the grandfather clock, although it sounds more like a grandmother clock ringing.
0: Thanks, Nigel. It is all action. I mean, obviously, you know, there's water everywhere, and I just jumped out of the bathroom and run downstairs to join our... Well, we're a bit a late for our guests, aren't
1: we? I, I think, actually, that all our listeners are going to be very excited by the fact of a, a, a rather wet and naked Tom Astor um, actually hosting this podcast. Oh, yeah,
0: <laughs> drinking a cocktail which is
1: flesh-coloured. And I'm actually drinking something that's completely brand new. That's not happened before. We've, we have talked about Spindrift multiple times on this podcast we have made cocktails with them they've actually been in the past a sponsor of our podcast they're not right now but they were and they have actually this week in fact just on literally yesterday announced that they have launched a spiked sparkling water they've got into the market they did a very interesting campaign using these cans which were Uh, Basically, a white blank can with a winking face, like an emoji of a winking face, so people didn't know what they were doing. And they've been talking about this campaign. They even had an Instagram handle called Mystery Spindrift. And eventually, finally, they released the fact that it was, in fact, they were getting into the spiked drink market. The difference being that unlike all the others, the Trulies and what have you that are out there that people are enjoying, that... They actually don't just have natural flavors. They actually have the real squeezed fruit into the drink. And so I have right in front of me here one of their real squeezed lime spiked spindrifts.
0: Can I just quickly say that a spiked drink in England means something quite different?
1: Everything in the UK means something quite different, Tom. Yeah. What does it mean, Tom? Go on, enlighten our audience.
0: Spike someone's drink, normally you stick a bit of rehypnob in it. Or another drug when they're not looking. You not you not heard that expression?
1: Of course, I've heard that expression, and that's exactly why I asked you. It's, it's hilarious. It's one of those jokes that doesn't cross the channel very well. And they're going to realize what someone offers them. Do you want a spike drink? People are going to think that they've been given a drug. I know, <laughs> hilarious, but you know what? It tastes fantastic, and I've got to say, they actually actually feel rather delicious. So, cheers to that. So, in a way, that's a bit of booze news, which. It leads us into our main booze news moment right now. As always, it seems this time of year there is something going on, and in fact, thousands and thousands of bottles of Pappy Van Winkle are up for grabs in Virginia. Are you familiar with Pappy Van Winkle? I'm not. I am absolutely not.
0: Never heard. I'm familiar with Virginia.
1: That's it. Well, uh, Kentucky bourbon, it is a Kentucky bourbon, but it is a very sort of rare Kentucky bourbon. Now, when I say rare, they make 7,000 cases a year, which actually is not very many in the grand scheme of bourbon. And as a result, because it is so popular, it sells out before anyone can even get it. So what's happening this year is the Virginia Lottery is putting these bottles of bourbon up for grabs you can win check this out you don't win a bottle you win the opportunity to buy a bottle that is how hot these bottles are if you win the lottery you get to pay from 70 to 200 300 for a bottle of pappy van winkle i mean talk about a marketing ploy i have no idea how they worked out that one with the national lottery to be able to be able to pay to win the chance of buying a bottle of bourbon. Wow, I mean, that takes it to a whole whole new level, which about 2,000 of these bottles are being given away this way this year. So, and it, it is the Family Reserve 23 year, the 20 year and the 15 year, the Van Winkle Special Reserve 12 year and the old Rip Van Winkle 10 year. Um, anyway, it's I, I've never heard anything like it. Here's your chance, everybody, to win yourself a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle. Now we've got something Equally sweet, we have an equally sweet uh, guest this week who is going to enlighten us on the art of sucre. So our guest today was first introduced to me by my, yes, I know this is called The Shaken and Stirred Show and it's about cocktails and alcohol, but it was by my 12-year-old daughter who loves two things in life most of all, TikTok and cotton candy which when you shake and stir the two together gives you the art of souk. Please welcome the founder of this sweet brainchild, entrepreneur, and cotton candy connoisseur, Emily Harple. Emily, welcome.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Well, what are you drinking, Emily?
2: So I have just a glass of brewed champagne, which pairs perfectly with our cotton candy glitter bomb. So we just have bottles of this on hand always in the cotton candy studio.
1: So let's get to the bottom of this for a second. Here you go. I've got a champagne glass. I've got a bottle of Prosecco that I've already opened, but I'll open it again. You heard me almost pop my face off with that bottle, people. Do you hear that? How delicious. You see, it's what happens when you open a bottle. But you mentioned it with, with this cotton candy bombs, what do you call it? A glitter bomb.
2: A glitter bomb, yes.
1: So everyone out there, I've poured myself half a glass of champagne. I've read the notes, the pro notes, right? Now, You, we're going to get into all the things that you do, but I, this, everyone out there, this is all about cotton candy. This is all about delicious, sweet things. I've got some of this art of sucre. I've got a glitter bomb in front of me. I'm opening it up as we speak. Now, you talk me through what I'm meant to be doing here.
2: Absolutely. So you're going to take your container, which has our handmade champagne flavored cotton candy you're gonna crack it open maybe a little bit difficult to get open and then you're just gonna pinch right in there just like that grab it and drop it into the glass and then you're gonna watch the cotton candy dissolve and the glitter float out
1: now you see all the little bits of glitter and i can hear it can you hear the sound (laughs) of it in there and it's sparkly and it's got like a little gold touch to it.
2: That's right. And then if you top it off with a little bit more Prosecco, it really gets that glitter flowing through the drink. Mine's pink, if you can see it.
1: Okay. So you've got the pink. I've got the gold. i am just topped mine off. It almost looks a bit like shampoo in a weird way. In, in, in as much as it has like those sort of... Not that one is drinking shampoo out there. It doesn't ruin your shampoo. But it does have a look of that... The way, if you've ever looked at champagne or shampoo and it has that sort of swirl of color and bits of glittery glitter in it, it has a, well, cheers, by the way. Cheers, cheers. Tom. Cheers, Emily. Mm. That's a rather sort of delicious, makes it very sweet and very palpable. It does. Talk to us about how you got started in all of this. Cotton candy is one of those things where I think almost all of us have a nostalgic attachment to cotton candy. Can you remember your first time having cotton candy?
2: I'm going to let you in on a little secret that uh, is a little ironic and kind of interesting. You would assume that I have loved cotton candy from a young age, and that's actually not the truth. So I can remember going to baseball games and amusement parks with my family growing up and maybe eating like a bite of cotton candy, but feeling like it's too sweet, almost like you have to go brush your teeth immediately after eating it and just not something that I would crave. Um, But in 2015, 2016, I was planning my wedding. And through that whole process, I was also applying to graduate school at the same time and really long complicated story short. They put my application on hold for graduate school. They filled the cohort. They said, Hey, we'll get back to you in a semester or maybe even a year and we'll review it then. So I was fresh out of college, no plans outside of graduate school and was planning a wedding. And I was on Pinterest. Like most people that are engaged are and looking for wedding favors. And I happened upon cotton candy. And for whatever reason, I just could not let this idea go that cotton candy was really the only dessert that hadn't had that social media upgrade that you didn't see it really anywhere outside of a baseball game or maybe going to like Disney World. It just wasn't something, at least where I am, that was really popular. Nobody was talking about it and I really couldn't let it go. And I just really hooked on to the idea of giving Cotton Candy a much needed chic upgrade. And that's where we got started. It's funny
1: though, because you know, first of all, myself, I have my, when I think back with Cotton Candy, it takes me back to literally as a child and probably one of the most exciting things about going to the fairground or the circus or whatever one might go would be the fact that Cotton Candy would be there. And you as a child can walk by Cotton candy machine and you can smell that molten sugar that's that, you know, and it's just addictive. I mean, you you could go into to a, you know an amusement park and if you few, you know, you, as you approach it from a hundred yards off, you can sort of waft it in the air. It's like baking bread. It's one of those things, isn't it? it's sort of credibly nostalgic. But what's one of the interesting things here with what you're you're discussing is that you know, you are talking about it not from a child's perspective, but but for adults at a wedding as a, at that point that do you think that adults still want it? Because adults, I mean, who goes through that? And now I don't go and buy it for myself, but I might buy it for my kids, right? So why would adults want it?
2: It's really an experience. That's at least how we started out. So pre-pandemic and all of that, the idea was very much an events-based company. So you can walk up to the pink cotton candy machine, request champagne cotton candy, orange bourbon cotton candy, and watch it be spun right in front of you. I can't tell you how many times, see right there, (laughs) people are so invested. It's really magic to watch it happen in front of you. If you haven't you know, either seen our videos or been in front of a cotton candy machine in a while. It's a really cool process. So it was something that, again, has that nostalgic memory that adults love because you can link it back to your childhood. But having that adult upgrade makes you actually want to try it because it piques your curiosity. You don't consider champagne a cotton candy flavor until you hear it. And then, of course, you want to try it and you get to see it being made right in front of you.
1: And, Tom, you, you actually operate a wedding venue and a wedding business, yeah, and this is something which was a brainchild almost of a wedding itself, right? So, you know, do you see... What do you think, Tom? Would your, your, This would be something your guests would want to have at a wedding? Is it, champagne-flavoured cotton candy?
0: Definitely, and, and the wedding favours thing, is that... I, I, I assume it's an American thing, um, the concept of wedding favours. It's like baby showers. they kind of... That stuff... Creeps it creeps over, and wedding favors. I have not heard of wedding favors until quite recently. Now everybody's doing wedding favors. This thing, and, and it is what it is. It's these little sachets or something, you know, something great, and, and and it's basically something you give to you, give your guests, and it's becoming more and more fashionable. How available is your is your cotton county in the UK?
2: We're working on international shipping as we speak. We just launched for the first time here in the US, actually yesterday for our online shop. And we sold out if most things in four minutes. And then we had a couple kind of, you know, bubblegum was the last to go. And I think our entire shop sold out in 40 minutes. So we're working for our international friends to be able to, to ship that overseas. But yeah, absolutely. It's the perfect wedding favor because you can eat it. It's not going to go to waste like some wedding favors traditionally do here, at least in the U.S.
1: How do you run out in four minutes and 40 minutes? Surely that that only can mean that you didn't make enough, Emily.
2: So this is the other interesting part too. I am my only full-time employee. So this has all happened very quickly. It is very exciting. I am building a team, but our cotton candy studio is smaller than 200 square feet where we're at right now. And so it is very much a one woman operation where I do have people helping me. But again, I'm my only full time person and this is all hands fun. We do it ourselves from scratch. We make the base all the way until it's bagged and sealed and shipped out to you. It's all done in house.
1: That is amazing. I, I you know, I, I thought you may have a hundred elves or something doing it, but now I realize that it is just you inside a 200 square foot space. I, I will savor every mouthful even more. You maybe need to write that on the package, actually, and, and, <laughs> and number them, because that is, that is quite extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, I never thought of sort of numbered um, cotton candy packages, but, you know, really something special. I, I, wanna, I have a lot of questions here because it's, I find it fascinating. And I find the history of cotton candy fascinating too. I mean, I, when you look back, I mean, you know, obviously you've done this many, many times, but invented in 1897 by a dentist, William Morrison. I mean, first of all, the irony, a dentist <laughs> invents probably something which is rotten for your teeth. It can't be lost on anybody. And then was introduced to the, an audience at, in, the, in 1904 at the World's Fair as fairy floss. And the, the guy sold 68... 1,655 boxes at 25 cents at the World's Fair. Now, that is a massive number, right? At the World's Fair in 1904. So it was an addictive substance. I mean, we know sugar is pretty addictive, but from the get-go, people just went bonkers for candy floss. So why do you think it it hadn't been picked up before? How could you have been the first one to sort of go, actually, let's do this. Let's revamp cotton candy.
2: I think it's because you have to have the machine to make it. So most people don't just have a cotton candy machine on hand to be like, hey, let me experiment with this. Okay, well, there you go. You're, (laughs) You're one of the few. I feel like the average person does not have access to a cotton candy machine or fairy floss machine, whatever you want to call it. And so even like if you think about going into a bakery, I would guess to assume that most bakeries don't have cotton candy machines, people that are working with that type of like confectionary substances don't have those on hand. So why would you kind of mess with what people think is good? Also, people have this connotation that it's just so much sugar. And while yes, cotton candy is just sugar, it's really the tiniest amount of sugar. So as far as dessert goes, I mean, uh, that bag of cotton candy that you have is under 100 calories, and it's you know only several tablespoons of sugar. So I think people just haven't picked up on it yet because they don't have access to the equipment to make it.
1: It's, it's funny because you're you're right. There is actually more sugar in a soda than there is in a thing of cotton candy, right? So, 100%. but a lot of people who are oh, you know, oh, it's all sugar. It's like well, yeah, but. Don't drink that Coke or that Sprite, or don't even have that beer. Actually, um, you know, so it's it, it's not what people think. Not to say that it's low sugar; Heh, it's all sugar. But right. <laughs> there's a lot of sugar in air, right? So, and, and it's funny. I mentioned at the top that my daughter Jasmine; she's actually the one who introduced me to you. She, she's, you know, not very often. As she said to me, Danny, you've got to have a guest on." But she said, "I just love." Emily and uh, the art of, of sucre and what no. she's doing with with cotton candy. She's 12 years old. She's really into TikTok. And she goes, and she made. She's making a, a, a glitter bomb for which you could drop in champagne. That would be so fun for the shaken and stirred show. So literally, this introduction came from my 12 year old, and that's why I have a cotton candy machine. We got her one for her birthday a couple of years ago, and she has been having cotton candy parties with her friends for weekends, for years. And so your whole story was just extraordinary for her and, and, I, and her excitement. Now, talk to us, because this is the interesting thing. TikTok, right? You have a, a million followers on TikTok, right? How instrumental has TikTok been for your business?
2: I can't even begin to describe to you how TikTok has truly changed my life. So I like to tease that this business has been around for five years. We were doing events and cart service and all of those things. And obviously, when the world shut down quite literally a year ago, I went from working seven days a week all the time, running my own business to being a stay-at-home dog mom. Essentially, my Ohio was one of the first states to shut down. And so I had a whole lot of time in my hands and really no backup plan So I went back and forth, I think like a lot of people did, I like to tease, like, do I go get a real job? Do I start a new business? Do I pivot? What do I do? And around June, I decided that I had something really cool on my hands. It would really be a shame to let it go. And so I reached out to a design team to help me work on figuring out how to package cotton candy because cotton candy is extremely delicate. So that's the other part of this, shipping cotton candy is no small feat. And right around that time that I started talking with Molly and Jackie, my design team, I was like, you know what, I enjoy TikTok, even though I'm a little bit older, probably than the average TikTok user, especially at the time, I'm definitely smack in the middle of millennial. And um, my husband and I would go back and forth and send videos and like, I'm going to start posting just to see what would happen, not expecting anything. And I was posting really just old footage that I had on my phone and editing together, which I knew absolutely nothing about and still honestly probably know really little about and started posting. I posted the worst video I've probably ever put together of me simply in the cotton candy studio, packing a bag as if I was going to an event. So literally just my hands, this bag that I was putting jars of sugar into the cotton candy cones and extension cord, And it had a million views in the matter of a day. And I was like, what? Why? Why are people watching this? And then from there, we just really picked up momentum. I posted a video about a friend that worked for me. It was her wedding. She spun cotton candy at her wedding while we served it to guests. And it has like 25 million views almost. It just really took off and uh yeah it's all happened in probably starting of august of last year and we hit a million i think around october it happened very quickly it's unbelievable
1: i mean it's there's something to be said about people just interested in watching people unpack things and pack things right there's the unboxing video which is just you know clearly i think took most people by surprise as being something that would be fascinating to people but there's The whole process, and in fact, I remember even today, I was asking my daughter over lunch, I said, uh, "Because she's not at school today, and I said, you know, darling, what is it? What was it about these videos that really interested you? What was it that grabbed your attention? And, but you know what she said to me? She was like, I really enjoyed following Emily and her story and how she became a success. I mean, I think people are vested in you now. They are vested in your success. They want to see you succeed. And that's also something which is interesting here. It's not just simply watching what you're doing. They've become your friends. They seem to really want you to win and they want to try your new flavors. And you know, so that's a very interesting thing that's developed there. That's why I think I was wondering, for your business specifically, it's not that one, can even taste it on, you know, on TikTok. Right? They they can watch you taste it or talk about it. <laughs> it's not a very visceral thing, right? So, and yet TikTok over, say, Instagram or Twitter or another one, Right? Like, is there a reason do you think the TikTok audience perhaps really sort of reacted?
2: There's this element of vulnerability that's on TikTok that I don't feel like is on other social media platforms to the extent that it is. TikTok is not nearly as curated as spe- specifically Instagram. When I post a video, I don't have a filter on the video. It's truly really just most of the time my hands and my voice or it is, it is what it is. I also just really try to, I think a lot of creators have gone this way too, to be really Honest and vulnerable with people, like, hey, we tried this packaging, and guess what? It didn't work, and and here's why. And really bring people along on our process instead of keeping things behind closed doors or saying like, hey, I'm working on a special project, but really bringing people in so that they feel like they're a part of the experience. They feel like they get to know me. They get to know my team. I think that adds an element of just being so invested when that package arrives on your doorstep and really rooting for people. I know that it sounds really cheesy, but it truly does feel like a community, unlike any other type of social media. And I think it's because it's so interactive and there is that element of just face-to-face communication that is not on any other social media app.
1: I mean, it's interesting when you look at, think of TikTok and how you know, they, they apparently TikTokers are responsible for also derailing various Trump rallies, and you know, they, the community itself, as and when they decide to get together and band together and to make a difference, they they speaking, they they talk to one another, and there's sort of there's a, a sort of group reaction happening, almost as if it's a it's a living being TikTok in 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 a, in a way versus other social media where it feels like people are very much splinted and, and perhaps just are their own brand, their own thing, their own person. You know, I, I'm looking at all these different flavours you've got. I've got in front of me pina colada, which we've already dug into, sugar <laughs> cookie, which is finished, watermelon, which is almost half gone. I've got orange bourbon here, and I've got the champagne, which we were saving because we wanted to talk and I've got bubblegum, all these different flavours. And what is it, and how, I mean, how do you make something, for example, how do you make cotton candy champagne flavoured?
2: So there's a couple of different ways to do it, but we use flavoring extract. So very much the idea, if you're going to bake a cake, you're going to add vanilla extract to it. And that's exactly what we do with different flavors to the sugar base. And then we mix it and we let it age a certain amount of time so the sugar dries. And you can do that with liquid extracts, depending on what the base of it is. You can do it with powdered extracts. You can put actual champagne in the sugar to let it flavor as well. Um, there have been times where I have run out of bourbon extract and had to run uh, to our bar cart and grab some bourbon off of it to to make bourbon cotton candy. So there's a couple of different ways you can do it.
1: But surely you don't make it different ways when you're making it in the packet. I mean, some people no. are actually getting bourbon in, in it, and other people are not. I mean, that could be no. quite a shock, couldn't it? As you open the orange bourbon and you're like getting hammered off your cotton candy. Like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Person. No, there's not actual bourbon in the cotton candy in the packages. That's just been for like friends or, of, you know, different type of things like that, where we needed it to make videos or taste testing. Um, And even if we did use alcohol, which we don't in our flavors, the alcohol actually burns out. So it's much like cooking with alcohol. You're not going to be intoxicated when you eat it and kids can have it too. So you don't have to worry about that. Or maybe, unfortunately, that's not a side effect of it, depending on how you look at it.
1: No, exactly. That's what I was going to say. I'm thinking, wait a second, that's not, that's not what I was going for. But how did you, what, what, these different flavors, how does one come up with a flavor of cotton candy? What, what are you looking for? What is the thoughts or the process for making these decisions on what the next flavor will be?
2: There's a couple different ways that we do it so the first is that we just love to get creative in the studio of brainstorming different ideas things that you wouldn't think that would come in a cotton candy flavor we love to try that and see what it tastes like another is when we were doing events a lot of times people that would want cotton candy would come up to us and be like can you do this flavor how about this flavor can we mix these together So they had really great ideas, too. As a matter of fact, Peach Bellini is one of our more popular flavors at events. It's hopefully coming in packaging form soon. And that was 100% at an event. We had peach cotton candy and champagne cotton candy. And the guest asked us to spin it together. And it took off like wildfire at the event. Everybody had a cone of this peach and champagne together. And it was delicious. And so that's how that happened. And then also, of course, social media. People are constantly sending us messages, writing in the comments, hey, I really love edible cookie dough. Can you make that into a cotton candy flavor? Or what about a collection for tea for the glitter bombs that you can drop in a, a lavender or a green tea flavored cotton candy? So there's a bunch of different ways that we do it to get all of the creative process. It's definitely a team effort.
1: I think there isn't a kid out there that doesn't want to know not the kids would listen to our podcast, but if there's an <laughs> adult, that used to be a kid out there that uh, doesn't want to know, how do you actually make cotton candy? What is the process of the machine itself?
2: The science behind it. Yeah. So I get asked this a lot. Um, I've done a couple of TikToks on it and I always say, do you want the answer or like the, the magic answer or do you want the science answer, which I'm assuming you want the science one. I'll take uh, magic but if you- you science You'll take both. Yeah. So it's just, really, like, I don't know. It just magically happens. If you watch it, that's truly what it looks like. But in a cotton candy machine, essentially there's only two buttons on it. So there's the power button and there's the heat button. That power button turns on the center head of the cotton candy machine, which is where you're also going to pour your cotton candy base directly into. So once that base is in there, you're going to power it on and that head begins to spin as well as heat. So it melts that granulated sugar right down into a liquid and it pushes it out to the sides of the center of that head, which then pushes it out the machines, and it dries on your cone. So really all it's doing is it's taking that cotton candy or that sugar and changing state and the cotton candy is when you're catching it and that in between of the liquid going back to a solid which is why it's so fluffy. If you were to just leave cotton candy sit out, it would actually crystallize back into that granulated form and a return to the original form of the cotton candy face.
1: It's funny, I think we've all seen that too, when you don't finish your cotton candy on, and you leave it on the stick, and you think, I'm gonna come back for it later as a child, and you go back and it's like a sort of a, a hard blob of like weird kind of crispy, chewy, sugary something.
2: Yeah, not great. We don't recommend that version of it for sure.
1: <laughs> no, well, I would imagine you have to be careful that it doesn't happen in the package itself. How does what that must be a big a bit of one of your secrets of how to wrap it, keep it and so that it maintains its fluffiness on the inside of that package, no?
2: that's what honestly has taken us so long to launch our online store from August. And people are like, are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? And one of my things is that I do not want to release this until I am 100% positive that it is going to make it to you in a way that I would want to eat it in a way that I would want to be proud of. So it took A lot of work from adjusting our recipes to the type of packaging that we use, how we seal the bags, how long they sit. All of those things went into making sure that it was just the perfect texture to go in that bag and to last.
1: And, you know, I guess when it comes to the sort of the name, the art of the art of sugar, I guess it is. But You chose the French sucre. What was that? Was that, is there, is there any homage to any, any particular element to why you call it? I mean, you, cotton candy in France is called Papa's Beard. It's got to be right. the worst name of all the names, of cotton candy. <laughs> Although in Greece, apparently, they call it old lady's hair, right? So you've got some really weird names out there, but yeah. you went with the French Art of Sucre, which I think as an Englishman and as an Englishman, we're a little bit like, wait a second, why did we not call it the Art of Sugar? Why did we go to the French who have already called it Papa's Beard, for goodness sakes?
2: <laughs> well, that's actually part of the reason why I chose the name. I don't know why. I laugh like a child every time I hear that. I took French in high school. And for whatever reason, that was one of the very few things that stuck with me. I just thought it was a was really funny name for cotton candy. Everywhere in the world called it something different. And honestly, I have to say that in the U.S., cotton candy may be like the lamest version of that, but it's it's fine. We'll we'll take it. So the name actually came up when I was driving back from my honeymoon. So I was married a week coming home. My husband and I were not quite old enough to run a rental car. So we drove to our honeymoon and we had a 20 hour drive back that we did one day. And so I looked over at Drew and was and said to him, hey, I have this idea. I know I'm supposed to go on to graduate school, but what do you think about this? And fully expecting him to say, you're out of your mind. Please go get a real job. He said, no, I think you should go for it. And that was when we started brainstorming. The French thing just kept coming up over and over and over again. And it just sounded really elegant. And it felt like it fit the branding that I was going for as far as kind of that chic upgrade. So...
1: Yeah, well, if you decide to do a sort of a, a gray version or a silver version, you, maybe you can call it Papa's Beard. Um, uh, Art of sugar Papa's Beard. I mean, in England, we call it candy floss. In China, they call it dragon's beard, which I think is pretty darn cool. Pretty cool. Um, and in the Netherlands, they call it sugar spider. Is this a, is an international phenomenon, this cotton candy? Is it everyone, is there people cotton candying it all over the world?
2: Apparently, there is a huge following, I guess you could say, to cotton candy. People that love cotton candy really, really love cotton candy. It is not just like a, oh, you know, I kind of like it. it. There's a passion for cotton candy quite literally around the world. When we launched our online store, we were looking at all of the demographics and all of that. And there are people all over the world in Africa, like just Australia, everywhere looking at our shop. It's a really unique kind of niche that we found for sure.
1: You know, yeah, I think it is, without a doubt, a very unusual niche. And from the passion standpoint as well, I think that that's certainly something which I, I myself remember as a child, as I mentioned in the beginning, how it, it just drove back these memories of of going to events and going to things. And I think that that's exactly how it makes people feel. I mean, you know, so then, okay, then you go from there, but you you have these things like the glitter bomb that I add, I added to my champagne. Was that something that came from events and... What was that initial idea and what is the glitter that I'm actually eating in these things?
2: (laughs) That has been the ongoing question since I joined TikTok. I have never answered that question more than anything of, is it actually edible? And yes, I promise (laughs) it's edible. We're not trying to poison you in any way. We were at an event and it was a charity fundraiser if I remember correctly. And we had champagne cotton candy and a couple of ladies came up to me and said, what would happen if I were to put this in my champagne? And I said, it would dissolve and probably make your drink a little bit sweeter, but nothing too overpowering. You know, it would, it would just be kind of, you know, a little bit sweeter and like, okay, great. So the next thing I know, I had all of these people coming up to me requesting small cones of cotton candy to put in their drinks. They were carrying it around they had it topped on their glasses. It was the most adorable thing that I'd ever seen. And the idea just struck instantly. I went home that night and started Coming up with different ideas how we could do these at events and from there, while it was cool to watch the cotton candy just dissolving in the drink I wanted it to have a little bit of an extra wow factor, as well as be able to package it so that it could happen without me being at these events. And so I really researched different types of edible glitter. Could we do sprinkles? what would work best? And this edible glitter that you have in your glitter bomb, it's one hundred percent tasteless, textureless, all the things. It's FDA approved, and it is not going to hurt you. I promise you it is edible. It just adds that little bit of shimmer to your drink
1: We mentioned the, the, the sort of history of cotton candy and dated it back to eighteen ninety seven. but, the methodology that you know, I did a bit of research here. It's actually been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, but it was, it was, and it was actually very expensive. It wasn't something that you'd find at amusement parks, and and it was sort of comes from the sort of actually comes from I think the French court, and and they they were making it at the French court, but it was more like sort of tiny strands of this molten sugar that the French chefs would melt, and then they would draw it out into these long lines, these long thin strings, thinner than a human hair that they would then decorate things with. They'd even use like a broom apparently to brush it out and create. So this sort of history of it. it, it, How important is that for you? I mean, what are you looking at when you think about the sort of history of this? Are you trying to bring back this sort of renaissance of cotton candy in a way with champagne flavours and what have you?
2: I think it fits hand in hand. And when you mentioned that, that's part of the reason we chose the French version of sugar as well. It's because, well, yes, the World Fair brought the machine and what we know it today. Definitely they were the ones to really innovate that whole process. And it was something that was delicate and beautiful and elegant. And to use today's language, maybe a little bit bougie, something kind of extra to add to your drink and a hundred percent that plays into everything everything that we do, it's the small things that really bring the most joy. At least that's what we like to say here. And while it is just cotton candy, how fun is it to add that extra bit of sparkle to your drink or your celebration or whatever that is? Absolutely, thinking about playing a part in that is, is a really cool, cool thing to be a part of.
1: Have you had any unusual orders? You make custom cotton candy. Have you, have you had some pretty, un, any any unusual requests and what you can do with it? <laughs>
2: As a matter of fact, we have. I wish I had her with me. Her name is Marie, and I was contacted by a gentleman for his daughter's bat mitzvah to create a mannequin head that the hair was cotton candy. So think very much Marie Antoinette vibes or even possibly Marge Simpson is sometimes what we get uh, commented on our TikTok. So I told him that I had no idea how to do this, but I will... I'll figure it out if you want to work with me on this. So for about six months, um, we worked together pretty closely. I ordered a bunch of different versions of mannequin heads that I was drilling holes into and doing the process of trying to create the hair until finally it was something that he was happy with and I was happy with. So my team and I went to this bot mitzvah. Four hours ahead of time, we spun 12 mannequin heads worth of hair, and they were walked out on silver platters for dessert for the kids' table at this bat mitzvah. And that will forever go down as one of the strangest things I have ever done, but ultimately one of the coolest things to experience as well.
1: Sounds very French to me. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes.
1: The head of Marie Antoinette <laughs> on a platter. <laughs> you may eat it, children.
2: <laughs> and they the really, head. they went with the vibe. They really went with it <laughs> and stuck
1: with it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that takes it to whole new levels of, of macabre and sweet at the same time. I, I like it. Uh, very French and uh, you know, I completely understand it. Hilarious. What 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 is next for Art of Sucre at this point? I know you just launched your online store. Where, where do you think you're going with it?
2: I can't wait to hire a full-time team to get in here and to help. Uh, We are already in the process of looking at releasing new collections. I would love to start working with other brands to do collaborations, whether it's for a movie release and sending out cotton candy that's themed around that or working with artists or really the world is open to us as far as different types of collaborations. One of my passions is working with other businesses to really, you know, grow brand awareness and things like that. And if we can help do that and create the custom orders, that's truly what I'm passionate about. And I'm excited for all those opportunities, hopefully coming soon.
1: Sounds like a sweet deal to me. Um, There you go, a little drum roll right there. Uh, but, But it feels like, too, I mean, you mentioned those, the various collaborations like movie releases, but it seems also that you could sort of be partnering with Ville Clicot or you could be partnering with Marie Chandon or an actual alcohol for them to have their own very specific custom flavor uh, that would go along with this, which seems like that would be a a no brainer as well. I mean, it's when I look at all the various types, types of things you've done. So look, best of luck with it. We think it's very exciting, certainly very delicious. I've enjoyed it. I've popped it in my champagne more than once. So, you know, it's definitely a lot of fun. It's exciting. It it draws people's eyes and attention and adds to the whole party. So we have something on on shaking the Stoke called Last Orders, where we kind of just give a little rapid fire question moment. I'd love to dig a little deeper into your psyche in a a rather quick manner. Are you you up for that?
2: Yes, let's go. All right.
1: Let's go. Let's go. Let's do this, people. What is, Emily, your childhood nickname?
2: Emmy, which is pretty lame, but true.
1: Emmy, okay. Black and white or color?
2: Mm, color.
1: Color, why is that?
2: I'm not afraid of color. Our house is very colorful. Black and white is classic, but I do love color.
1: Not afraid of color, people. I'm looking at pink, blue, um, orange, yellow, all kinds of colors of cotton candy right here. Okay. Totally not afraid. Eat, would you eat black and white? Would you eat black cotton candy? I'm not sure. No. Yeah, I would try anything, Tom. I would. It anyway. might, you know, why not? Uh, you know, I, I'm up for anything. In the movie of your life, who would you have play you? Oh, Art wow. of
0: Stuck
2: movie. The only person that keeps popping into my head, I feel like that's the way to go, even though we look quite literally nothing alike, is Emma Stone. There you go. I just, I really like her. So well, that take- would be. That's all it takes.
1: <laughs> Hollywood is all about rewriting the truth, anyway, right? So why not? <laughs> Let's <laughs> pick whoever we want. I would have okay. The Rock play me, of course. I don't
0: think Gene Wilder or something.
1: <laughs> Maybe actually. that's probably a good good suggestion, there, Tom. Yes. But this is uh, one of Tom's favorite questions. But what floats your boat, and what gets your
0: goat?
2: I more than anything in this world love to be at home by myself with my dog, reading a book on my couch. That is like the one thing that will turn my mood around instantly. And I can't stand loud chewing, like to the point where I can't sit at a table with someone that chews aggressively or in a loud manner. It's been a pet peeve for a long time.
1: And you're in the chewing of cotton candy business
2: I am. Thankfully, it just melts.
1: (laughs) That is why she made the product that melts in the mouth, people. (laughs) Literally, now we have finally got to the bottom (laughs) of Art of Soup. It is, in fact, the fact that she doesn't, can't stand, has an aversion to chewing. Brilliant. (laughs) I knew we'd get to the bottom of it, Tom. There you go. That's it. It's it's what it was all about, a shaken and stirred show. We've got one final question for you, though. Shaken or stirred? shaken shaken there you go and i was gonna think you were gonna say whipped or something you know but anyway or
2: spun maybe that may have been a better answer
1: third or spun perfect shaken it is emily harple art of soup fantastic where can people buy your i know it's all run out but when you get when you finally get back in there and make some more how where can they buy more
2: we made it very easy for you. All of our website, our TikTok, Instagram, all of the handles are just the business name. And Souk is the S-U-C-R-E.
1: Yeah, it's that unfortunate French spelling, people. But don't <laughs> worry, the product tastes extremely English. Um, you're going to love it. And I loved it and it's delicious. Thank you so much. We wish you the best of luck with... You know, Art of Souk and everything you're doing, we'll be following along and uh, keep making people happy and, and putting smiles on people's faces. We love what you do.
2: Thank you, guys, so much. This was wonderful.
1: Absolutely, all the best, Emily. Thank you so much. All the best. Thank you very much for listening. That is Shaken Instead. We will be back next week with another podcast and another fantastic guest. And uh, stay safe.
0: See ya.